This is Monday, November 15th, and our series is called When Love Comes to Town. And this week we're looking at this letter from the prophet Jeremiah to a group of exiles living in Babylon. Now here's a little of the backstory of Jeremiah and his life. God called Jeremiah as a youth, he was a young person, to declare his word to the nation of Judah a good 20 years before the Babylonian army showed up there. Babylon and Egypt were the superpowers of his day, and Judah, where God's people lived, was wedged between them. Now all along, Jeremiah told the people what was coming. They themselves would fall into the Lord's judgment because of their idolatry and unfaithfulness. That seems shocking to think, that the Lord would use a pagan country, a country like Babylon, to teach his own people the virtues of faithfulness. But that's just what the Lord did. Now here's our text telling us the background. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah wrote from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles, to the priests and prophets, and all the other people that Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now this was after King Jehoiachin and the Queen Mother, the court officials and leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the skilled workers and artisans, had gone into exile from Jerusalem. He, that's Jeremiah, entrusted the letter to Elisah, son of Shaphan, to Gemariah, son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. That's Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 1 to 3. Now, as we have heard, Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon at the time. His desire was to build the greatest nation on earth. Now, rather than exterminate his enemies, he brought the people, their culture, and even their gods home to Babylon. He used the power of cultural assimilation to change the surrounding peoples and nations. His city became one of the greatest cities of the world. And so his power, well, it was more than military might. The Babylonian technology, social freedoms and fashion, the financial systems were the most sought out on earth. When Jerusalem was destroyed and the temple with it, most of the exiles ended up in Babylon. Of course, there was an immense problem with this. Babylon was also the world, the most worldly city. Because everything and everyone was brought there, everything could be found there. Yes, everything. And there, everything goes. In scripture, Babylon becomes the city used by, as a metaphor for the earthly city that stands against God. Now, as you can imagine, in the sinful city, there are many different ways you can live. You can go native and go along with what everyone else is doing. Or you could withdraw and create your own community to keep the city and its influences out. The Jewish people did the latter, retaining their tribalism and barricading themselves against the city. They were assisted by false prophets that told them to hold tight They would be able to go home in no time. The nightmare would be over, and they would be free. 
And this was the reason for Jeremiah's letter. He had heard reports of the false prophets and what they were telling the people. It was empty hope. So the word of the Lord came to him, and he sent it along to them almost 800 miles away. Now his letter begs the question for us, how will we view the earthly city? Will we buy into the worldview and lifestyle of the city in which we live? Or will we keep ourselves separate? Will we enter into the culture or build a subculture? Now, I often hear people complain about the city. Do you complain about the city in which we live? Or do you rejoice in the opportunities of the city? The title of this series gives away our perspective when love comes to town. Jesus actually used two metaphors in his Sermon on the Mount to explain the calling of his disciples. First, he said they are to be the salt of the earth. They are to bring the flavor of his kingdom, even though there are few of them in number in the world, showing forth the gospel of God's grace. Salt was also an important preservative. Their presence in the city will preserve life as God intends it to be. They will care for the poor. They will serve those in need. Jesus used a second metaphor. He also called his people to be the light of the world. He said that his people would become something like an alternate city, showing forth to the world what his kingdom is all about. I like the way one author has spoken about the dangers that Jesus mentions in his metaphors. He said we could become spiritual chameleons, blending in with our surroundings so well that we no longer show the distinctive nature of the kingdom of God. Or, we could become musk ox. The musk ox has a special way of self-protection. They form a circle with their horns facing out, blocking out all dangers and keeping out all others. Yes, we could take up a defensive and protective posture and have little or no interaction with our city. But you see, the goal of God in Christ is to change the architecture of our hearts as we learn the way of love of Jesus. Instead of living as chameleons or musk ox, we become the salt of the earth and the light of the world. We do this not because we're right and everyone is wrong, but because we have learned the way of love and service from Jesus, our King. It is his love in our lives that becomes the impetus, the motivation for all that we are and all that we do. Let's pray together. Faithful and gracious Father, we, we admit that it can be difficult to live in such a city as Miami. There are days we wonder if we fit in at all and days we feel like this is home. Help us to see our city and the people around us through your eyes. Teach us the way of love through Jesus, for we pray in his name. Amen.